Welcome to the Rap Race to Buy podcast, where we discuss money, mindset, real estate investing, and ways to achieve financial independence. Whether you are a rookie or a veteran needing new ideas for investing or creating side hustles, you're in the right place. Here to challenge you to think out of the box, your hosts, Felipe Mejia and Diego Corzo. What's up, you guys? It's your boy Felipe, and today on Rat Race to Fight Podcast, we have a really special guest, a great friend of mine, Ashley Kerr, and as always, Diego Corzo, my co-host, uh, and we're going to be digging into Ashley today. What's up, Diego? What's up, Felipe? Very excited to be here with this very special guest right next to us. That's right. I feel so special. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley's honored. <laughs> Ashley, so I uh, obviously we have history. I think anyone yeah. who watches this yeah. is going to know. Uh, we've been through the ringer from the beginning of Rookie to like where we're at now, where you can hang out at our um, retreat. So super thankful for that as well. We are at one of our masterminds for Rat Race. Uh, so thanks for coming out, seriously. I love the beach. So as long as you keep posting them at the beach. <laughs> <laughs> the next one's going to be in the snow. <laughs> we're going to go to Puerto Rico next. We'll do Puerto Rico yeah, next. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. That's right. All right. So actually, uh, obviously you haven't heard any of our podcasts yet because they don't come out until March uh, of 2021. But mainly the difference between what we're wanting to do is we really want to get a feel of who the investor is. Uh, it's really important for us and our listeners to understand that there is a story behind the investing. It doesn't just happen overnight. The success comes from a long line of hard work, right? I think we all uh, can kind of attest to that. We each have our stories. Um, Ashley, I mean, first and foremost, can you give us a 30,000 foot view of like who you are, what you do for anybody in the world that doesn't know Ashley? For those that follow you on Instagram. Oh my God. <laughs> Everyone, go followers. follow Felipe and unfollow Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, I started investing uh, in 2014. Started out with duplexes and pretty much did the same. And um, then I got into the birth strategy. And at first, it was really just like small cosmetic updates I was doing. I was finding properties that were really undervalued, um, below market prices, um, below market rents, and increasing those. And then uh, from there, like the last year, last year and a half, I've really gotten into doing full gut rehabs. Um, and that's kind of been my focus now. And then I've also looked at multiple streams of income. Like I don't want to just rely on rental income, especially since COVID happened and it's like no evictions, like tenants <laughs> might not be paying rent. Like my uh, rental properties were like my security net. They're like, okay, we, you know, my husband and I both don't have income. Like we can rely on the rental properties. Well then all of a sudden it like flipped, like during COVID, like his farm business was like really secure. Like it was fine. Like it didn't, wasn't impacted at all. Like he still went to the barn every day. Milk cows still sold the milk where with the rental properties, like, wow, like if something happened and tenants didn't pay rent, we'd take money from the farm to, to cover our mortgage expenses. And so it was just a big mindset shift that how important it is to have multiple uh, streams of income. So that's really been like my focus now. That's Good. Oh, and for everybody here, where are you based out of since you're doing the birth and yeah. investing? So I am based out of uh, Buffalo, New York, uh, the rural, very rural areas of the cow country. <laughs> Way out in the back. <laughs> yeah. Man. So basically, I just do investing now. I used to work as a property manager for another investor, and I still help him out with some stuff. But um, February of 2020, I actually gave up all my properties and all of his properties to an actual property management company. Nice. And that's when I um, started working um, on the Real Estate Rookie podcast that I host for Bigger Pockets. Nice. So what is, uh, so let's 
let's get real quick into your real estate. So how, where, what's your portfolio look like? What role do you play in your business? Because that's what it is. Um, numbers look like. So I have 36 units right now. Two are um, under rehabs right now, um, being remodeled. Uh, a lot of it lately is just me looking at reports. Like I spent the last year being coached uh, by Steve Rosenberg and he just like, you got to put processes in place. I'm like, I love rehabs. I would, I love putting in vinyl plank floor. They'll never want to. He's like, you're going to get burnout. You're going to get burnout. Just start putting those things in. Well then like once I finished my one property and like had some more free time and then we started another one, but it's like, Oh, we let's hire these contractors, see how it goes. And I was like, wow, this is actually nice. Like you show, you come and check out the property and wow, all this stuff is done. Exactly. So like putting systems and processes in place has been like huge for me. And um, I did my bookkeeping too. I created processes, hired a bookkeeper. And now um, I'm just attending masterminds. <laughs> She's mooching up a rat race now. That's all she does. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, that's really cool. Um, so I love, I love the story of what you do. And for those that don't know, and I, I don't say it much, but like one, your podcast along with Diego and a couple others has been one of the ones that's always been in my heart. Like it's one that's always impacted me mm -hmm. to help other people because I was helped with yours. And for those that don't know and live under a rock and haven't heard your podcast on bigger pockets, you know, you told stories of uh, how you invest and how you're a mom and like all these things. Um, and I remember like where I was working on the back of a U-Haul truck and all I can remember is that was one of my hardest days, but it's interesting because I don't remember anything about it besides that. Like, cause I remember listening to your podcast for like three hours and I was like, man, this girl is crushing it. Like she's doing amazing. I was like, like, okay, I, I got to do this. Like if she can do this, like, I know I can do this. Uh, so I remember just being like super impacted by it. I was like, I want to be able to impact others in that same way. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to get off your tail horse now and talk about something else. I, I want to get to know the investor, right? Mm -hmm. um, so who, let's go back. Who were you in high school? What was your clique? Who'd you hang out with? Who was Ashley, you know, back before Ashley? <laughs> Did you ever see the movie Mean Girls? Oh, no, so no, I actually, it was it pretty heavy into sports. Um, I did soccer and I did track and I did snowboarding and I did archery. Uh, so those were like my things in high school. And then I had a really close group of friends um, that I hung out with. But um, I was the type of person that I got decent grades, like probably, you know, A minus, B plus. Um, but I really had to work hard to, to get those good grades. I probably could have worked harder to do better. But um, I just... I wasn't super motivated. I didn't love learning. I didn't love school. And um, then when I went to college, uh, I actually went to the University of Albany for three, two and a half years. And I actually met my husband um, the summer before I went back for my third year. And I failed a class. Like I was coming home every single weekend uh, to see him. And so I decided, like, I'm transferring to a school close to home. And I transferred to another school, got my grades back up, did accounting and um, finance. And then um, from there, started, I interned for an accounting firm. And it was fine. Like, at first, like, I loved doing tax returns. I loved bookkeeping. But I was only working, like, part-time, you know, kind of around my schedule. Well, then when I graduated college, I uh, – 
they're like, well, you know, I was getting married that summer. They're like, stay part-time. And then like in the fall, we'll bring you on full-time. And I was just like, so excited. Like I cannot wait to like finally make money and like see what, you know, this job, like I've worked so hard for this. Like I switched colleges. I got myself going on after failing a class. And so I, uh, I got my proposal for them, my offer, and I think like as an intern, I'd been making twelve fifty an hour, and then when they brought me on full time, it went to like fourteen thirty five an hour. You were rich. And no, I was disappointed. <laughs> I was because it ended up being like thirty five thousand a year, I think, or something. You know, you have a degree, and, and I just pay two dollars more. Yeah, now. and I wow. just I was just like, and they want me to work full time instead of part time, and I was just like in shock. I couldn't believe it. I remember. The, the CPA at the office that was just like, you know what, like I've worked here for so long, I'm a partner, like I'm still not making the money that I want to, to make. And right there, it just kind of like clicked with me. Well, why would I want to work here for 20 more years and still not be getting paid what I want to get paid? So I went through and I'm like, well, I have, you know, this is a job, like this is what I'm school, I have to do this. And so I said, started full-time in September, by February, um, actually then in January, I was like to my husband, like, I just can't do this. And like tax season has started. So um, I was like, I, I'll i get pregnant. I'll be a stay-at-home mom. And he said, fine. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, that was easy. So I put my two weeks notice in. He was like, this is going to be great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I put my two weeks notice in. And um, the next, like a week into my two weeks notice, I had found out I was pregnant. And I was like, this is great. And um so I think my last day was Valentine's Day, like February 14th. Okay. And then I just was like, going to stay home. And that was great. And then that's when uh, an investor approached me about managing his portfolio. But I've kind of been like, I go like up and down, I guess, like from my whole high school experience to like my full-time job. Like it really, and looking, I didn't know this then, but like looking back at it, like especially my job history. So like I worked at this like, dive bar restaurant growing up. I did great at it. I loved it. It was like not structured. The only job I ever got fired from was when I was in college. I came home for the summer and I worked for a restaurant that was more like corporate. It wasn't a chain, but it was more like this is the the manager. These are the date. Like this is how everything works. And I got, I was on a two week probation period. And at the end of the two weeks, they let me go because I didn't smile enough. And I just like, I looked and I had worked at like, Aeropostale Express a couple times while in college and I didn't get fired from there I just quit but I just it and then working at the CPA firm where it's very like okay here's your desk you sit here all day this is what you do you go from task to task sounds terrible and then once I started working from this other investor he's like well do whatever you need to do like you're running the show like this is it like it really made me realize that I want to be an entrepreneur I don't want to sit at a desk I don't want to work for someone else and even this investor like he just let me have full reign that it didn't feel like I was working for someone else so like looking back now I see like those habits and those patterns and like when I have an opportunity presented to me it's like okay do I like does that fit what I actually want to do even if it is a great opportunity well I hate it like I hated that accounting job nice <laughs> Sorry, that was a little longer. <laughs> no, no. I, I was just sitting there listening, like, wow, that's really interesting, actually. Yeah, I I really like that transition. And when you realize that it wasn't the job, like that that wasn't really what you wanted to do. Yeah. Because I because I went through that too. Mm-hmm. I was a software developer at at um, 
at GM and the moment that it hit me was when I was on a call with my manager. He was sitting right next to me mm-hmm. and he didn't like the way that that call went. So he, he was a little bit irritated and I'm like, in 20 years, I'm going to be in his position sitting next to me. And I'm like, I don't really want to do yeah. that. I don't want to be doing this for 20 years and being right there. And that's when I knew that I had to figure something else mm-hmm. that I wanted to do. Um, and that, like at that point, I knew that I had to get out of that corporate America job yeah. to do something more entrepreneurial where it was my choice and not what my manager wanted because he got irritated by his managers. Right. I'm like, I don't want that. And that's like just a great advice for anyone, like whatever job you're doing now, what you're following now, look at the people who are 20 years ahead of you. Do you Mm -hmm. want to be like them? Like all of us here have mentors that have been doing real estate for 20 years and we look at them like, yeah, we want to live in Maui on an island and invest from the beach, you know, or like, you know, I look at the the CPAs that work in my firm. Like I didn't, I did not want that. I do not want that. And uh, even the investor that I've done work for now. Like I don't exactly want the life that he has now, but he definitely, he's like chooses to still work. Like he wants mm-hmm. to be the deep day. But I think like just really who you pick your, your mentors to be and who you want to look up to, make sure that they have the life that you want to, to try to approach because it'll definitely be more beneficial to you to, to follow in their footsteps than staying in your corporate job and, you know, seeing, this manager as your mentor. Interesting. So one of the things that I know, uh, because I know you personally, is you're a mom, right? You have uh, some amazing kids. I love watching their videos. How many kids do I have? Three. Oh, good job. Can you name them? How many do I have? One. I do. (laughs) (laughs) Cheater. Can you name my kids? No. What are their names? You can't name them. Can you name them in order? (laughs) (laughs) Maverick, Colt, and Remington. Remington's one yeah, I always forget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you, you name them after guns, right? Yeah. Well, we didn't mean to. Yeah. <laughs> they're guns. Our three kids are guns. They have guns? No, they're no, names. Their names are after guns. Remington. Oh, that's right. So Maverick and Colt were first, but and Maverick and Colt are actually car names. Oh, really? So like, it was uh, like, oh, I could have named the other one. I don't know. Mustang. <laughs> <laughs> so out of curiosity, like, and I know because a lot of people are going to want to know but not are are going to be scared to ask the question so we'll ask it here what is it like being a mom and a very successful real estate investor and like how do you challenge that time like how do you how are you how are you god the the question sounds terrible how how is it that you can be such a good mom and such a good investor like a lot of women out there like i have to pick one or the other like they don't feel like they can do both and like it's easier for men right but like how do you do it I have two things. So one first is my husband. Like, so he works at home on the dairy farm. So his schedule is very flexible. We're like, he pretty much, I drive the kids to school in the morning. He picks them up in the afternoon. Like we have that great flexibility of us both pretty much working from home. So, and like he, for his job, like he doesn't do zoom calls. Like he can take the kids with him to do stuff like um there's never like he's never recording a podcast where it has to be quiet or anything like that Mm -hmm. so definitely having him and um it's definitely a huge advantage um and then the second thing is that i really learned this this past year especially during covid is to like time block and to really be intentional with your time so like okay for these three hours i'm gonna sit and i'm gonna do work like I used to have like the kids playing and I try to work and I would be telling myself like, this, this is so great. I'm working from home. 
my kids don't have to go to daycare, but I wasn't giving them attention and I wasn't giving my work the attention, the attention it needed either. So really learning to time block and like, okay, so for these two hours, I'm going to be with my kids and it is like so much more fun and so much better than when, you know, I would be trying to work and like half listening to what they were saying and then, um, and like, obviously they enjoy it more when I'm not on my phone or on my computer and I'm focused on them. So, and I'm able to work faster when I'm like, oh, okay, you guys need a snack. Hold on, let me finish this. I'll get up and get you a snack. And so just being intentional with your time and really separating it. I like that. What, <clears throat> what, what are things that you've used to put the census in place to make sure that you can time block the right way? Yeah, so definitely like outsourcing things. So mm. like my bookkeeping, my property management. Um, so I, almost everything that I'm responsible for in my businesses, I can do from my computer. So I've actually traveled a lot like the last six months. So when I do travel, I'm like super heavy on like getting work done. Like I try and get as much done as I can while I'm traveling so that when I am home, um, like I have a lot more time with my kids because I'm just, you know, get caught up while I'm traveling and doing stuff like that. But um, just like having um, like, so I'll check emails like every morning and I don't do this strictly every day, but like I'll like say, okay, I'm going to check emails here and emails at this time during the day. So that it's not like I, every time I get an email, I got to stop, I got to take care of it and really like time blocking the tasks. So like, okay. And I do three, like three things every day. Like what are the three things I absolutely have to get done? And then I try to do those things like first thing in the morning. And that makes me feel like accomplished that I, I've done some things. And, um, we, Definitely having all three of my kids in school now definitely gives me a lot more time. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, but I know like a lot of times people are like want to be politically correct and like don't want to ask, oh, you shouldn't ask those questions. But like people are wondering like because I'm a father, right? Yeah. And like I struggle sometimes with like trying to find that balance between being a good dad and being a good real estate investor or, or being in business or, you know, things like that. So I know for me uh, that can sometimes get complicated and like trying to draw that line. Yeah. Uh, but it just seems that like men get, it's like, oh, he can go to work all day and like he'll be with his kids in the evening. Oh, but if a woman does it, it's like right. terrible. But I see so many women investors killing it. So like, what would you tell, you know, that younger, you know, woman that's like, oh, I want to do that too, like Ashley's doing it or like some of these other Instagram people that are like crushing it. Um, you know, what would you tell them? you know, that are fearful of someone telling, oh, well, you can't be a mom and be, you know, you can't yeah, have it all. So I, this is really funny. I actually had a situation on my Instagram account. I bought a motorcycle and I posted a picture of it and I almost everybody was like, oh, congratulations. Like so yeah. exciting. We're happy for you. Blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, I have a motorcycle too. Well, there was one person that actually commented on there um, and said, you know, I don't want to like burst your bubble or ruin the fun, but, uh, it was something along the lines like why didn't you consider your children when you bought something this dangerous and what would happen if you know you died or something like she put it in nicer terms but basically that but like saying, saying like yeah. why didn't you consider your children when you bought this motorcycle that could potentially kill you and i just like I, it really was like mom shaming to me and like i felt like guilt like oh my gosh like yeah i guess i could get killed on it but then i'm like telling myself well no like 
I already know, like, I'm not going across the country. Like, this is just to, like, drive to town and back. Like, mm -hmm. probably won't even drive at night. I, you know, wear a helmet and I'll try and be as safe as I can. And I was, and then I was like, I don't have to justify myself. Like, mm -hmm. for Were this. you, like, in the middle of a reply? And then I wrote out, like, five different replies as, like, <laughs> how to handle this. Like, yeah. some were not nice, and some were, like, trying to explain myself. And then, you know, I tried to think of something like funny to say, but then I just, I didn't respond at all, but I actually went and clicked on her profile and I saw that she followed like other real estate investors that have motorcycles. And I just thought to myself, and I was like, do you think that she actually just commented on that? Because I'm a woman and I'm a mom yeah. that I have a motorcycle. Yeah, like real estate if Felipe would have posted that, would she have commented like, Probably oh, not. Did you, how, did you take your kids into consideration yeah. when you went and bought the motorcycle? So that was like one situation that, that came up for me recently about like the difference between, you know, being a, a woman and a man, I guess. But uh, for my mom actually has really, um, it's really bothered her and hurt her because she was pretty much home with us all the time growing up. Mm -hmm. And my dad was always the one working and she is, t has still takes her forever. She still doesn't understand it completely as to why I don't have that life too. Like, why would I not just want to be a stay at home mom with my kids? Um, so my mom out of anybody, I think has struggled with that the most, but the way I look at it, and this is my advice to anyone who is, you know, young thinking about having kids, being an investor, or, you know, any job that you have work hard during those years, work hard before your kids are born, work hard when they're little. Everyone says, well, they're only little ones. They're only babies once. Well, your kids are only going to be seven once. Your kids are only going to be 13 once. Yeah. Your kids are only going to be doing sports, you know, once. once. And when I look back at my childhood, I don't remember being a baby. But I remember like my dad working and not being able to be at all my sporting events. I remember my mom taking us to Florida um, on family vacations, you know, when we were older. I didn't remember that childhood. And if I have to pick, and I have to pick because I know that if I want to spend like really good years with my kids, like I'm going to have to work hard some point in their lives. Yeah. Like I didn't start when I was 20 before I had kids. So like I have to do it now. And so that's my reasoning is like they're young now. And like even my oldest, he's seven now. But we do a lot of stuff together. And I like think this is great. And But when he was a baby, I worked every single day, like long, like long, long hours. And um, I definitely felt guilty about that. But like I always had him with me. I could always like work with him. But um yeah, I just but think, I think like, it's like really cool. Young. And I don't mean to cut you off, but I think it's yeah. really cool that like you've put that into perspective where you're like, I'm going to work really hard now because they're not going to remember yeah. quote like these years. Uh, I'm still trying to spend as much time as I can with my kids. Same here. But I know that he's not going to remember two, three years old. He's going to remember, did dad show up to every soccer game? Yeah. You know, did dad, you know, were we able to take vacations together as a family? And right. was dad really there yeah. or was he like, stressing because how was he going to pay for that vacation right. right so like i totally get what you're saying um and like i respect my parents quite a lot and i know you do too but i do think that like you said it's it's all about like you know and, and i think that it's even you not being selfish because you being selfish would be like no i want to be at home with their babies right yeah like i want i want that selfish time with them which yeah. is not wrong but what i'm saying is like 
you are like, I, I'm going to put my my kind of wants aside mm-hmm. until they're older to where we can, me and the kids can remember our stuff, right? right? And you'll have more of that time freedom then than you do now. Because if you don't set yourself and your kids up now, then you're going to have to sacrifice time later. Yeah. It's like you're choosing when are you going to sacrifice that time. Right, exactly. And like, I just feel like it's not an option because I have to <laughs> sacrifice time at some point during their lives because... I don't want to go, you know, their whole childhood till they're 18 and just like give them the, like the, the American dream. Like, okay, we're barely scraping by because, you know, I, I, you don't want to put you in daycare or, you know, whatever. But, um, I just, yeah, I'm very passionate about that because I've had a lot of, I've thought about it a lot because I felt that that mom shame, but I even now, right. like I, I I'm already, yeah, right. thank you very yeah. much. I'm already transitioning. Like we're, you know, especially before COVID, like the past probably year before COVID, like I traveled with my kids a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so and now you're starting to kind of travel with them. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Like, so we I saw them recently. Did, we did plane. Disney in October That's and then hilarious. we just did. And it's just uh, you Universal. and them. You don't even take your husband. You have to come to Disney. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> it was so funny because it was like our first full, like first family vacation yeah. with, as like parents of three kids and yeah. then us and like me and the kids have gone a bunch of times, but yeah. first time he came and I was like, geez, like you're kind of screwing up our like system. Like we have like, you know, we travel well together. Like we have our, <laughs> yeah, you know, things like, okay, you get three kids sit on the side of the aisle, I'll sit here yeah. and like we have our yeah. things like, okay, here's your backpacks, here's the snacks. And then he just like interrupts the whole, kills the vibe, <laughs> <laughs> Not kills the vibe but like interrupts oh our gosh. whole, you know, travel. We're gonna have to record him next for the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like your scenario. Yeah. Think about the situation. Yeah, but it was funny. One of the things that I do like about it, I and I feel like with you doing what you're passionate about, mm-hmm. I feel like that also makes you be a better mom mm-hmm. and a better example yes. for your kids, rather than being miserable or mm-hmm. saying, "Hey, I'm sacrificing all this because I love you." It's yeah. more like, look we're building this together yeah. too and we are doing it as a family that's such a great point because even before i had kids when i was working at that accounting firm i would come home from work and i'd lay on the couch and i'd watch tv and i'd be like oh my god i'm so drained and then my husband would come in from the barn we'd have dinner go to bed wake up same thing over but like even without the kids like i already didn't like do anything or have like life or passion unless it was like friday and we're going to hang out with our friends or something like that but that's a the great point and it's like the when you're on the airplane they say to put the oxygen oxygen mask on yourself first before you put it on your kids because you need to make sure that you're surviving first so that you can actually put it on them uh, so i think that like exactly what mm-hmm. you said is like you have to make sure that you're happy that you're fulfilling your passion that you're going after what you want because in the end that's actually going to be better for your family and it's not a selfish thing mm-hmm. yeah i agree 100 percent um you know, I've, I've known you for a little while now. Um, I definitely consider you a close friend of mine. Uh, and I love watching your stories like of how, because I can tell now that I'm a dad, like I can tell that when you're with your kids, you're with your kids. Yeah. Like you're it's intentionally there. Yeah. And I'm like, man, like she's like, because you can see pictures of like, you know, parents with their kids at like freaking Disney World and they're like dragging kids and like, <laughs> like they're not really happy. <laughs> yeah. But like I see your pictures and your kids are smiling and like you're doing your thing. Um, and I know social media can be whatever, but like, I know that you're genuinely there with them. Yeah. And it's because, um, I think you've adopted something that I heard one of my mentors say once where it's like, be a hundred percent where you're at. Yeah. It's like, if you're at this mastermind, like be here yeah. and like really impact when you're with your kids, like freaking be with your kids. Yeah. Right. 
And like, I can see that you've really adopted that. So kudos. I think that's awesome. But I really wanted our listeners to like know what it was like for Ashley as a mom investor and like some of the mom shame that like you probably get. And I'm sure other. Yeah. And it's not even like investors, like, you know, that could be any mom that's working in any job that they're passionate about. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, moving on from the mushy stuff. (laughs) 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 Moving on from the mushy stuff. Uh, Okay, so um, tell us a little bit about your husband. I know that um, I don't hear a lot about that, especially on other podcasts, but he sounds like an amazing dude. He's just very easygoing. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us a little about him. Okay, so uh, he's actually a lot older than me. And, like, the benefit of that is that, like, I'm his trophy wife. Like, he's never going to get rid of me. (laughs) (laughs) You're okay with it, too, aren't you? You love it. um, Guys, for those that are just listening and can't watch this, Ashley has, like, at least a, like, 20-ounce rock-looking thing on her finger. It, like, outweighs her body, guys. Like, if she just... The thing is huge, bro. Look. It's, like, the size of the speaker. It's and like she's proud the, of it too. She'll it's like, it like snowball. <laughs> <laughs> it's like in the the show The Office when Michael proposes to oh, the, the girl and he's like, "Yeah, it's a three year salary, right?" When it's like they Jesus. say it's three months, but yeah. he thinks it's three years. Oh my <laughs> goodness! You, you <laughs> and he buys a huge three year salary. Yeah, yeah. I love that she shows. It. If you ever watch her on her podcast, so Ashley's on the Bigger Pockets podcast is on the Ricky <laughs> show. And like when we were doing this show together, like her hands are always on the desk. Because they talk with my hands. Yeah. Like, and she'd be like, yeah. So if you talk to them. <laughs> oh my God. I'm just kidding. Okay. So back to your husband. So tell us a little bit. Okay. So he owns a dairy farm. That's when he knows he graduated high school. He took over, started taking over his dad's dairy farm. He now owns it 100%. Um, nice. And he actually kind of became an investor uh, because he started buying all this uh, farmland. He actually bought his parents' house um, and then they just live in it um, just so they don't have to worry about it. They have life use of the property. And then um, we actually lived in his grandma's old house on the farm and uh, we lived there for free because it it was paid off. And then we built our own house and we turned that farmhouse into a rental property. And I'll give you guys like a story. I don't think I've before maybe but it was like a big reason as to why my husband has his firm business which I know don't know a lot about and why I have my real estate business because I know a lot about that so when we I had maybe four or five properties by the time we built our house and we were ready to rent out our old house uh, well I was like you know let's let's start working on this um, and so he said to me he's like oh I got it rented and I was like what and he's like yeah it's rented out I'm like okay well like what about a lease or like what are they paying and stuff and then um it's just like I, I don't even remember exactly but like somehow someone like told me like oh no those people aren't renting it anymore they rented a house somewhere else and I was like what so I talked to my husband and he's like oh yeah I forgot to tell you I'm like okay this is not working for me like because I'm at this time I'm doing property management as a profession and I yeah. like nitpicking this is like driving me crazy. <laughs> so then he tells me, he's like, I rented it out again. I'm like, why don't you just let me rent it out? And he's like, no, it's my cousin's daughter and her boyfriend and they have a daughter and they're going to move in and they can move in next week. Like we haven't rented right away. I'm like, okay, this is actually great. I'm like, here's the lease. He's like, oh, and they couldn't afford the rent that you wanted. So I said $700 would be okay. We're like, 
we could have easily gotten like 900 for this property mm, and that's like all utilities included it's a five bedroom farmhouse i mean it's not like remodeled or anything but um so it was like very frustrating he's like well like i already told them they could they already gave me a deposit and yeah. stuff like that and so i was like this is your property you are like handling this and so it was definitely like a big learning curve for me to actually let him have control of that and the fact that like he didn't do it the way I would have <laughs> but like I guess to say it's like kind of worked out because that was in 2016 and those people are still living there they take mm-hmm. very good care of the property even though Minus they're paying, 200 bucks but they're paying I would, the I low market rents like yeah and they, they've struggled sometimes paying the rent but they've always ended up paying it so yeah. sometimes it's late but um that was like a big learning experience for me and a big test of our marriage is to like okay all of a sudden i'm trusting you to do the thing that i do every day and that i am like a professional at and he didn't do it how i wanted but it worked out (laughs) i'm assuming that's got something to do with the rock right (laughs) (laughs) i was like let me make that up (laughs) no no this is after we're married but he's just very supportive and trustworthy of what I do. So if um, so, like when I started real estate investing, I didn't use any of our own money, um, but I did. Uh, you know, was was still taking a risk, and I was taking more of my own time away from him, a baby, and um, so I think he's just very easygoing and um, just trust me that I'm doing the right thing and. Like the next, like after that rental property, the next big project we took on probably together was, um, like we built our house together and stuff, but that was easy, but like financially was paying off debt. Like it took me a long time to like get him to see like, we let's pay off your farm equipment loans. Let's pay off my student loans. Like it's an advantage to us to be debt free. And it really took a lot of time talking about that. And for me, it was like, I read one Dave Ramsey book and I'm like, okay, let's do this. Where for him, it was like, I really need to think about that. So like really the biggest thing that we I've had to try to work on him is that like he's just set in his ways on how, you know, his parents had their finances, which was you have like a couple loans, you pay those as you go and then you get, you know, buy more equipment, you get those. Like he never had, he never even had a credit card. You know, he never had any student loans. He never had any debt except for just farm equipment. And it was just like, yeah, you just, you pay the bills that you have and no saving, no investing. And mm. um, so that was like our next made, okay, now that we've paid off debt, let's like start investing. And this past year, like we just sat down and I'm like, okay, look at the returns we made this year in your retirement accounts. And he was like, maybe we should pull some more money out of our savings account and put it into like index <laughs> funds. I'm like, yay, okay, finally. Getting it. <laughs> that's amazing. But, yeah, so that's just like a glimpse into our relationship, I guess. And, yeah, thanks for that. Thanks for the vulnerability. I know that's going to have a lot of people. To switch it really quick, because I do want to ask you a couple of questions on the multiple streams of income. Mm-hmm. Like you have the real estate part, yep. and that is your expertise. Mm-hmm. What other income streams have you been able to build, and what role did you play, and how much time does that play? Okay. Because I know that a lot of people, in wanting to achieve financial independence, they want to like they want to create different sources of income, yeah. but also in a way that it helps them with like either buying their time back right. or also knowing that they might have to work a lot in the beginning to reap the rewards later. Right, that's a great question. So the, there's the rental income, first of all, 
And then um, for us, with my husband being self-employed, like health insurance was one thing I always received working for this investor. So now that I like gave up this property management, I still manage the property managers per se, and I still manage his money. So that basically covers our health insurance. So like for me, that's a huge income stream because he still pays like half of that payment. I'm paying it out of my, the other half out of my paycheck and it's great health insurance. And one thing I really don't talk about a lot is that my one son actually has an autoimmune disorder, type one diabetes, where he was diagnosed when he was 13 months. And to be clear, that is the one you cannot prevent. That is, you know, the one that you get it, it just onsets onto your body. And he, um, and there's no cure. He can't change his diet, can't do anything. Um, that would be type two, but so he is insulin dependent and like if we were going to pay out of pocket for all of the medical devices and the medicine he has a month like that'd be thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars so having great health insurance is really important so like i stay working for this investor for that reason so the rental properties that w-2 income i have plus it like helps have a little w-2 income for getting loans and stuff like that and then um, we have a short-term rental, too, that I have with partner. So I have that income stream. And then um, I have a, a liquor store, Ooh. that income stream. Ooh, and then <laughs> two years ago, the investor that I work for, he decided he wanted to open an insurance agency. Okay. So he said, well, he was been licensed for a long time, but never, like, worked as an agent or anything like that. Basically, he just put his license with the company and they paid him commission based off his policies that he gave to them. Okay. So it's like that, I mean, that works out pretty nice. And here's a way to kind of, for anybody who does have a large portfolio, like you spend through in New York state, at least you spend like three weeks in a class and you become a licensed agent. Well, you can go to an insurance broker and be like, Hey, if you hold my license here and pay me a commission, I'm bringing you, you know, $20,000 in premiums every year. Like you want to give me, you know, some commission on that. But, mm -hmm. um, so I have, uh, that commission. I only write my policies, his policies and a couple for friends. And then I get the renewal commission every year on that. So, nice. and that was just like an opportunity. Like I could have easily have said no to that. Like I despise insurance. I, to have enrolled in a policy in a year and a half, but it was like, okay, well, I can just keep getting the renewals. It's a chance to learn at least more about insurance. He paid for me to do it. Um, I helped him start up the agency. So it was also a learning experience as to how to start an insurance agency. So I think like, uh, you know, I wasn't his partner, I was his employee, but like taking the opportunities that are out there where you can partner with someone to learn something is, you know, a huge benefit, especially when you learn to learn a new income stream. So like my rental properties are all with the property management company. Um, my rehabs, me and my partner, we do take care of that together. And we actually started pretty much outsourcing all of the work. So we're not even doing hands-on rehab anymore. And then, um, so that's been a big time saver. And then for the liquor store, uh, I took on a partner who had re his has a supervisor who runs his five uh, franchise restaurants. And so we made her our supervisor for the liquor store, and she pretty much handles everything. We have a group text where once in a while they'll send us an update like, oh, hey, this is what we're doing for Valentine's Day. Just want to let you guys know or whatever. But pretty much she takes care of that. And then we do uh, monthly meetings. Uh, so we meet with the bookkeeper, the supervisor. And um, the bookkeeper does all of our business, my partner and I, all of our businesses, whether they're together or separate. And at that meeting, we go over all of them. Um, 
And that's kind of like having an alignment meeting with like your team. Like, yes, you want to align with your spouse. You want to align with your partner. But also like, so even though we have separate businesses, like I'm not part of his restaurants at all, but like, because we're partners, like we want to grow our wealth together that like, we don't care to like share information and also to be like, okay, well, you know what, my rental property over here is suffering and, but your, your restaurants are doing great. Like, how do we use this to our advantage or how do we help each other like going forward? So I think like having a great partner too, um, really helps you scale. And also that like, we don't nitpick, like, you know what? Well, I went and did this last week. It's your turn to go pick up stuff at Lowe's. It's just like, well, yeah, I'll be in the area. I can do it or whatever. So that like really helps both of us, um, you know, with money and time because we don't like nitpick as to stuff like that. Interesting. So, uh, let me dig into that a little bit. So what has been the importance of partnerships in your financial independence journey? So like the first thing was my first partner was he put in all the cash. So I didn't have to invest any of my own money. I didn't have a ton of money saved, but a couple years later when I decided I wanted to pay off all of my debt, I started with my student loans and I, um, was able to accelerate that because I didn't have to invest any money because my partner was putting up the money for deals. So mm. in fact, any of any cash flow I made, any W2 income, I didn't have to like save it to buy the next property. I was mm. able to just pour it into my student loans and mm. get um, debt paid off. And so, then you nice. did all of the work to... Yeah, so I managed the properties, stuff like that. Right. Exchange, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. So one of the things that um, I always wonder when it comes to investors and their financial independence is what is the end goal? What what is it? What is Ashley? No more podcasts. No more like just what is that end goal? Financial independence, riding off into the sunset type of thing look like for you? Yeah, I kind of feel like I'm there. Um, <laughs> I got I my just, motorcycle. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm out. to the sunset. That's right. Yeah. So like I really thought about this a lot, especially during COVID, and like what do I want my life to be like, and what and like everybody's always like, your what's your why? And it's like, okay, my children are my why, and I feel like that's just. I almost too, feel like sometimes I have to say that. Well, that's like a, too easy of an yeah, answer. Of course you are. That's every everybody yeah, wants happiness and wants to provide for their children, and their that's that's not a motivator because you should already be doing that. Yeah. But like Felipe, he wants a Tesla, like. That's a motivator. Like, okay, I'm going to do this to get the Tesla. But like, so I spend a lot of time thinking about this and I want to live a spontaneous life. Mm. So I want to be able to, you know, travel when I want, but it's not even like about that or like changing my schedule or anything. It's about like, I want the flexibility to wake up and be like, you know what? Today I'm going to throw on my barn clothes. And I'm going to go help my husband milk the cows. Okay, that probably won't happen, but I can, <laughs> <Let's be honest laughs> I can get up. But what's important is that you are creating a life of options. Right, exactly. You have so, the option to do it, whether yep. you will do it. Right. <laughs> That's irrelevant. And that was like one thing Steve Rosenberg taught me was like, put your processes and systems in place now so that like when you wake up and you decide, oh, I have, I'm supposed to paint this apartment. Well, no, you don't have to because you have this contractor that can do it. So that was like a huge light bulb moment for me. Or like when you say yes to things, there are things that like you, if you need to, you can change. So like with the podcast, if something came up with my kids, I could cancel a recording. Never has happened yet, but I could. <laughs> mm -hmm. So 
But I just, I want to be involved in things that I have that flexibility and those options to to wake up every day. And like a big thing for me too is like, I want to have the time and the option to learn something new. Like I did not like school, but I love learning how to operate a liquor store. Like at the Rat Race Defy Mastermind this weekend, I loved learning about wholesaling. And like, I was able to come here and do that. And I think having those, that option, that flexibility um, is really great. And I just want to like be spontaneous. Um, so like me and my kids going on vacation, the one morning we woke up and it was cloudy out and it was like not a pool day. And I'm like, I don't have anything else planned besides a pool. And I really don't want to sit in the room. So I looked up tickets to Universal and there it ended up being like $485 for the four of us. And I just went and clicked cement and like being spontaneous about my money where I'm not like, um, like I have the affordability because I don't go and buy designer bags or stuff like that. And even if you do, that's fine. That's what you want. But like for me, I want to be able to make those sp- spontaneous decisions, mm-hmm. especially with my kids where like, hey, guess what, you guys, we're going to see Spider-Man today. And like that glow that's on their face and then we actually get to see them. Like that is the oh best, but God. like that's part of the spontaneity. It's not mm-hmm. only the flexibility and the time availability, but it's also like the money because money, okay, money can't buy you happiness, but it can buy you the time for you to be happy, I guess. So really quick, I'm going to touch on that. And sorry, Diana, I hope I didn't cut you off. But I believe money can buy you happiness. And I'll explain it on a story. Well, I think Josh Dorkin in the Bigger Pockets conference back in uh, two years ago, I think he said it perfect when he said, you know, money saved, basically saved his daughter's life. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to speak on that story because I everyone go listen to that. But um, in mine, my son is my happiness. My yeah. wife is my happiness. My business partners are my happiness. Like that's what like, I live for. Um, and it's interesting because if my son got sick, I will have no shame in paying his way to the front line. Yeah, like and I will. it's and that 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 is my money buying my happiness. Yeah, like yeah, you can't go just because you have money doesn't mean you're going to be happy but it makes it a lot easier to be happy. Mm-hmm. Like one of the biggest problems like in people's marriages is financial, like money problems mm-hmm. and that like causes divorce or like even <laughs> things with your kids, like uh, like how bad do you feel that you can't take your kids on vacation this year because it is, you know, sure. but everybody else in school is going on vacation or, you know, yeah. but um, yeah, I think that's a great point is I think money gives you the option to be happier. Like you can mm-hmm. definitely be happy without money for sure but if you're living like below your means you're saving you're investing like it just gives you so many more options so yeah i I agree the one thing that i would like to say too is that what you said about your spontaneity yeah (laughs) say one more time Spontaneity. Is that a word? I don't know. We're going to have to Google that. Spontaneous. Spontaneous is a word. Spontaneously. Spell it. No, I'm just kidding. So basically, what that reminded me of, and it's a quote that I heard from Adam Carroll, is that build a bigger life, not a bigger lifestyle. Right. The lifestyle will happen, but the bigger life is that choice that you have now of like, Hey, it's cloudy outside. I'm okay paying the five hundred dollars yeah. because it's for an experience that my kids are gonna have. Yeah, and, and you can they go, will remember that. Exactly. Like that they're gonna remember. Spider Man, they're gonna like, remember. When I talk to like, especially rookie investors, I was like, okay, what's the worst case scenario? You're buying a property. What is your fear? What's gonna happen? Money can fix that. 
Okay, well, that's like, uh, that's a lot of times the you can fix a problem with money. So if you are so concerned that you're not going to invest, you really think that worst case scenario is going to happen, save some more money, get a partner who has money, get a line of credit, like then, then there, that's the money that you find to, when you buy the steel, that will fix that issue and then you can move forward. But the chances of, you know, that worst case scenario happening, probably not. But that's why it's important to have reserves too. But for an example, my, when we went to Disney with my husband, you know, mess everything up coming with us. That <laughs> somehow our return flights got canceled. All of ours except for his. And it's kind of like a long story how it happened. But I, so like I went to go check in and there was no flights for us. And like we had to leave the next day because I had a podcast recording and I didn't want to miss it. And so I looked and we had to spend, and I used points to purchase some. My points were gone and I had to spend $800 for four more flights to get us home the next day. And it was just like, it's okay. Like we have $800, like, yes, it sucks. Like we could have spent that on something else. We could have saved it, whatever. But like, we had that money. Like we're fortunate that we didn't have to go out and, you know, put it on a credit card or we didn't have to rent a car and drive home or, you know, we, we didn't have to borrow money from someone. Wait, you didn't put it on a credit card and get points? Well, oh, yeah, no. I did, but I mean, I paid, I paid, I paid <laughs> no, it off the net. Like literally, when I put something a bit, like I put, I paid my motorcycle on a credit card. That's so oh, awesome! I know, I was so excited. And then the next day, I woke up and paid it off. It was like still pending, and I hadn't even but like you got all the yet. For yes, it. exactly. Nice. Yeah. Well, so my last question. Uh, well, first, thank you for you know being on here and that we were able to talk to you and get to know Ash a little more. Yeah. But my last question and comment. Um, in regards to like money, like we were saying, um, I had a mentor and I want to know what you think about this. I had a mentor tell me Felipe, cause we were talking about a problem. I was really, I was just complaining to him like, dude, this, this, he's like, Felipe, what was the, what's the problem? I spilled the beans, right? I told him the problem. And he's like, do you have money to fix it? I'm like, yeah, I know I do, but man, this is the problem. Yeah. He's like, do you have money? Yeah, I have money. Yeah. You don't have a problem. Yeah. And I was like, huh, he's right. Yeah. Like I didn't have a problem. I had, I, I, I. I created a fake problem in my mm -hmm. mind because I did have the money to fix it. Yeah. What do you, what do you think about that? Yeah. I 100% agree with that because, and I, I want to point out that like, we're not boasting because we no, have money. That's like not, no, that's not we, one very important thing is that we all live below our means sure. mm -hmm. and that's what helps you have money is living below your means, paying off your debt, saving, investing. And that's what we're trying to stress for you guys to do is to, you know, as real estate investors, you, you have this great advantage to do all of those things. And um, yeah, like I worried about money a lot. Like I would stress about it a lot. And like, I finally feel like I'm at a point in my life, like I have that nice savings cushion. I live below my means. Like I have cash flow coming in and I'm just, I am happier. And I just, if there's an issue that comes up, I will throw money at it so I don't have to stress about it. I don't have to worry about it. And I don't have to take up my time trying to solve that issue to save some money. So that's just like money can't, like you said, we're saying money can kind of buy you happiness. I, didn't, I, didn't, I don't like, say that money does buy happiness. I say right. money can buy yeah, happiness. Yeah. So like for when we were in Disney, like, I was like, well, here we go. I paid the dollars, we got it. And then it's like, I forgot about it. That's like it. we it's enjoyed fun. the day, yeah. but if I was stressing about money, I would have like, it would have ruined my whole day. whole day. I would have, you know, been like, 
you know, not patient with the kids. And I, you know, like it would have affected everybody that was on the trip. And you wouldn't have been so, in that moment. You right, know, exactly. You wouldn't have been like we talked about earlier in the podcast where you wouldn't have been there. Yeah. That day would have been ruined. And what's what's super sad, and then I'll leave the last question for you, you're going to take us out, is that like the kids probably would have remembered you being angry that day right. over the whole trip. Yeah, that's such a good point. Yeah. You know, and 800 bucks, we can go, we can, we, we you can go make that. Like, yeah. Exactly. We can go flip a house. We can go work. So like we can make that money back. But like our kids would have remembered like angry Ashley that day. Yeah, you know, and it's not worth it's it. Yeah, yeah. I would just like to ask you one last question. Uh, what has you excited for twenty twenty one? What is either that goal or what has you excited? Yeah, so like I'm the worst at like goal setting. Like I, I change, I change my mind a lot about a lot about what I want. But I'm really excited because I feel like me and my one partner are like really on the same page. Like. We, I feel like the last year we went on a, a bumpy road. So we bought a property in June and then we were rehabbing it ourselves. And then like August, September, he's like, you know what? I'm going to start my, my family home. I'm going to build that and I'm going to do it myself. And it's like, okay, well, what about our rehab? Like I rely a lot on him for that. Like I don't know everything to do it myself. So that's when we start putting systems in place to actually outsource mm-hmm. it. And it ended up being like a benefit. Like the property sat for two months before we actually got the contract we wanted in there. And like now it's going great. But I'm really excited like now that we're aligned, we're both on the same page. Like we just want to do acquisitions and we want to hire stuff out and like grow our wealth together. Like mm-hmm. the we we don't care like about like putting money in like we both want to put money in to just keep buying and growing we don't care like well you know what this 50 percent is my money i really don't want to put it back into the property or whatever like that but i'm excited to see how we grow our portfolio together and just like now that i've implemented i spent the last year implementing a lot of systems um and then just enjoying my time like i've definitely gotten a lot more time tech so i love that i love that uh diego said something downstairs in the mastermind that we forgot to ask so we'll, we'll ask it here before we go is there anything that you wish we would have asked you throughout this weekend or on the podcast that you i forgot of? to think of something because yep, you had asked me before and i said i'd answer because <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know the answer <laughs> um or anything that you want to say anything that you would tell you know everyone who's going to be listening to this uh in regards to anything we've talked to today yeah, I think here's one thing that I've actually been thinking about a lot. And uh, so, like, if you're looking at, especially since we talked a lot about money here, like, a big common question is, like, okay, do I pay off debt and then invest? Do I do both at the same time? And so I actually did this for my first partner ever the other day. He was like, okay, I have this mortgage, like, I have a little tiny mortgage left on my house. Should I just pay it off? Or should I refinance my whole house and, you know, do a 30-year fix? So I sat down and I had done this a long time ago too where I laid out the scenario for him like, okay, what scenario one in 30 years, how much cash do you have because of that? So like it's okay, you're paying this mortgage payment, you're getting this this cash flow from investing it. Um, this is after 30 years, this is how much you have. And then I ran the same scenario if he went and got like a 15 year mortgage compared to a 30 year mortgage. And then I ran the scenario if he just paid it all off right now and didn't have any money for the next year or so. And then, you know, had it. So I think like 
figure out what your your long-term goal is. Is it like cash flow? Is it net worth? Um, you know, like equity? Uh, what is that long-term goal? And when you come to like a road on a decision, like how do I finance this deal? What should I do? Do I, or even like, okay, should I pay off my student loans before I invest? Run the numbers. Look at, okay, if you pull up, put all your money towards student loans and you don't start investing for another five years, what does the next, you know, 20 years look like with you starting at that? Then if you start putting some money towards investing, some money towards your student loans, what does that return look like in 20 years? So I think sit down and really map that out. And if anyone wants me to help them, I kind of created an example for my partner to show him to compare. And when we ran the numbers on 15 year compared to 30 year, 30 year was actually better long term because you started investing up front where with the 15 year, you have a lot less cash flow usually than you would with the 30 year mortgage. So investing more money up front, he actually would have had more money at the end of the 30 years than the I love 15. that. I always, uh, when people ask me about the 15 and 30, I always say the same thing. You can always treat a 30 like a 15 year yeah. mortgage, but you can't treat a 15 like a 30 year mortgage. Yeah, that's true. Ashley, thank you so much for your time. This has been a great podcast that we're able to get to know Ashley behind the scenes investor a little better. <laughs> um, so thank you for being open, for talking to us. Um, as always, it's a pleasure to have you. Um, I can't wait till this episode comes out. I think this is going to be a great one. Yeah, great. thank you guys so much and for having me. Where can people it. find you? Yeah. So if you they can... don't follow you already. On the <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. uh, you can uh, find me at Felipe Mejia R E I on Instagram. Oh, <laughs> you can find me at Wealth and Rentals. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so you can find me at Wealth and Rentals on Instagram. Um, or on the on biggerpockets.com and then every Wednesday and every Saturday uh, I have a podcast release the real estate rookie podcast so you guys can check that out thank you so much as always I'm your co-host Felipe Mejia R-E-I on Instagram (laughs) (laughs) Felipe this is my co-host Diego Corzo where can they find you on Instagram at real Diego Corzo love it thanks guys thank you Ashley the Rap Race to Buy podcast, where we discuss money, mindset, real estate investing, and ways to achieve financial independence. Whether you are a rookie or a veteran needing new ideas for investing or creating side hustles, you're in the right place.